the anger and rage was so, I was like a volcano. I was, I was tearing through the earth all around me. Like I have never felt such rage in my life. And I read this book called Body Full of Stars by Molly Carol May. Highly recommend this book if you are having any sort of rage experience where she talked about it. I would read it every night in the middle of the night on my Kindle nursing mm. atlas. And I would just sob. It felt so good to know that I wasn't alone. And it also felt like there is a sea of us over centuries, over millennia of women, you know, of mothers who have had this like bubbling volcano in our bodies. And it just felt so overwhelming. I really thought like, oh, I could destroy this marriage right now. Like I felt so powerful in my rage. I felt like I, I will take this down. I felt powerful and terrifying. Hello, lovely ones. I have such a treat for you this week. I spoke with Becca P. Australi last week and our conversation has just lingered with me. It's like one of those conversations that buries into your heart and then just keeps going. And I can't wait to share it with you. Becca is an author of the magical book, Root and Ritual, Timeless Ways to Connect to Land, Lineage, Community and the Self. She is also the host of the Belonging Podcast, which I really recommend, a circle facilitator and community tender. She is also a mother and a wife. And in this episode, we particularly speak about Becca's own matrescence, her journey into motherhood, and the impact that becoming a mother and her becoming has has had on her relationship with her partner. Oh, yeah, we talk about all the things, sort of maternal rage and the depletion and also the wonder that comes with this transition into motherhood. And I cannot wait to share this with you. So I hope you enjoy. I also wanted to let you know that today is the last day to sign up for my 90-minute intensives. I'm releasing this on the 9th of June, which is the last day. And if you would like to book in a 90-minute intensive, I would love to support you in looking at the ways in which you are already connecting well in your relationship or the ways in which you would like to improve on this. It's a really good taster into what coaching work is like and it will also give you a really good direction in terms of next steps for you and your partner. I would love to support you in this way. Speak to you soon. Enjoy the episode. Hello, lovely Becca. How are Hi. you? I'm doing okay. That's good. Nice to have you. I'm so happy we made this work. What is our time difference? Uh, so top of seven in the evening here. Yeah. How about you? How would you say half 11 here? Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So it's also, I love that you asked that because it's also different energies of the day. Yeah. Um, <laughs> have you're you like, you're in reflection completion and I'm like, build, 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 build. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and have you got your little girl at home or how are you managing that? Yeah, we have childcare today. Okay. And she is at music class, probably oh. going home soon to have a burrito for lunch that I was just preparing before I got on with you. So good. So yeah. lucky. Yeah. <laughs> and Becca, you are in, at the moment, you're still in California and you're moving to Hudson Valley. Is that right? Yeah. To um, New York, the east okay. coast of the United States. Okay. Um, so September. Big, oh, wow. So that's pretty soon. 
Yeah, but I bought that ho- that farm a year ago, so <laughs> so not soon enough. <laughs> it's been a very slow, life changing experience. <laughs> like, okay, okay. I just I have to integrate it slowly. But yes, we are preparing this summer to completely migrate and transform our lives to farm okay. life. Yes, how exciting! Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Could you tell us a bit about that and your decision to do that and like what it entails and what you're hoping it will be? Yeah. Yeah. We'll see what I say today. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'd say, uh, so my husband, him and I've been together 18 years. I know you talk about relationships and I do too. So, um, We've been together 18 years, took us a a long while to have our babe, um, losses and trying. And then we had our babe, her name is Atlas and, uh, something happened to us. I mean, first of all, I had her in like full on lockdown times, August, 2020. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I, I can see now how there was like deep medicine for me in my work as someone who's always been like humans are communal creatures, like bring back the village. A lot of this like hyper-individualist nuclear family living is unnatural. And then to have that extreme of that when I have my child Mm. um, was just like a very sharp pointy um, lesson (laughs) for me in like, this is wrong. This is wrong for a human being to go through. And there's millions of us who had Mm. babies in that time. Yeah. So it also at the same time, um, so California, the state of California in the States has had a real bad spate of, of wildfires. Yeah. Um, past year actually wasn't so bad, but I'd say for five years straight, horrifying, scary, dangerous Mm -hmm. fires that have to do with the changing climate, which have to do with pumping water out of the ground because we grow most of the country's food and, um, just like a gradual drought of less and less rain and less snowpack. And then in uh, more and more population leads to building houses closer and closer together. So where I live, some pretty scary and devastating wildfires happen. And the third day postpartum, um, the sky was so thick with smoke. The sky was a dark red. Um, and we sort of joke around in my community, like that's the day the sun didn't rise. And I have to say it was very traumatizing. I felt felt very scared and vulnerable and alone. Oh my goodness. Day three. Yeah. So that led to basically, you know, in that state of sleeplessness, but also like So the sleeplessness can lead to like some unhealthy conversations, but it can also lead to like in that liminal sort of um, Mm. drug-like state, (laughs) dream-like state, certain truths come through. And so my partner and I would have these conversations in that like first sleep bucket from like 7 p.m. to 11 p.m. That was like our only time to talk. Yeah. And it just became very clear to us that we would like to leave the state of California and we want we wanted to buy land and we wanted to have an experience of feeling like stewards of land which obviously comes with a lot of privilege and we have it and we want to use it for something deeper than 
what our experience of life has been, which is living in the San Francisco Bay Area, working in technology, working through a big boom of technology here where a lot of mm-hmm. wealth was created and a lot of poverty was created and the sky was on fire and we just thought we need to, sh- we need to change. So mm-hmm. we looked and looked and looked all over the country, even thought about could we become Canadian citizens? And this farm in this upper Hudson Valley, New York, found us in a really magical way. And um, it's near a beautiful school for Atlas with a deep community. And and we said yes. And we've been renovating it and um, tending to it from afar and flying back and forth and just trying to create, set up our new life. Okay, so you've already started doing that. So you, like, you're an owner, you're an owner already, and you're beginning. We're an owner already. We have three yeah. cows, a donkey, oh, wow. two sheep, and twenty chickens. Oh wow! So who and looks have, after them? Yeah, there's a farmer there who okay. lives next door who's okay. who's been working that farm for many years. Who we who's helping us and okay. has a daughter the same age as Atlas. And oh, that's so lovely. So yeah, we have. Okay. That was another miracle is it came with this farmer who loves the land and has known the land many mm. generations. So we said, so there's already a collaborative nature, which is something I was looking for is like, I don't want to own land and hoard it. I want to be in yeah, collaboration yeah, yeah. on it. So, okay. And what are your plans for the land? Like, how are you, how are you going to do that? I'm not sure there's, I'm really, so I'm someone who. And human design. I'm not sure if you're familiar with human design. Yeah, I'm sacral authority, which means okay. I think I am too. Yeah. Okay. I think you are too, because it took us a long time to get on (laughs) this podcast interview because we have to move slow. (laughs) That Um, makes sense. Yeah. Also, I think the whole culture needs to move slow, but oftentimes we can't really do something or agree to something until like we feel it in our guts. Mm. And so I, I think I'm pretty sensitive to purchasing land and then, um, sort of, uh, enacting my will over it before being in a relationship with it. Mm -hmm. So I have lots of ideas, a retreat center, tiny cabins, livestock farming, renting it to young student farmers, like a pumpkin patch. Like I have so many ideas. I can't even tell you a mini farm stand for little kids with little egg. Oh, wow. Imagine. Like, oh, I am just, and I'm allowing myself to just dream, but just the play. only thing we've done is, is, um, have the livestock there and we've, we've, you know, put planted cover crop and just like okay. tried to keep the land healthy, but okay. I am forbidding us from really making big decisions until we arrive and we can like mm. see it through four seasons and It'll yeah, be hard because we, we are excited, but yeah. And, you, and you've waited so long. Oh, yes. I have a, um, my husband is also a Tim and he oh. um, is an architect and he, whenever we move somewhere, he's like, we need to take at least six months to live somewhere and feel it and see what it's like. And it also drives me crazy because I'm it's... a doer and I just want to do stuff immediately. And yeah, it's really hard. It's a hard pause to take. I'm a doer too. And I think it's partially makes me feel good and partially just like the culture we live in. Mm. It's really hard for me to sit back. And I'm sure he as an architect has has had clients like make impulsive decisions and be like, why did you do that? 
want to be done. <laughs> yeah. 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 He is really also like slow moving and like takes his time. And I'm just like, come on, yeah, let's do the thing. Totally. <sighs> okay. So what a dramatic kind of um, place from which to make that decision. Hey, that just feels like there's something so raw about that early motherhood. Well, there was for me, like just a real sort of breaking open feeling of, yeah. I have no idea. Also kind of the lay of the land, like that sort of feeling of this is totally new territory. What happens here? How does it work? Um, so I'm amazed that you also made that huge decision from that place of literally the sun not rising. And it's like, it's pretty traumatic. Um, and I'm wondering around like how all of that then was integrated into your and you use this beautiful word matrescence um mm-hmm. I haven't heard I haven't heard someone use that word like for years and you were the first person I heard so let's I'm using it here but it is such a beautiful like all-encompassing word for motherhood which can feel a bit flat and um and doesn't speak to the scope of what changes so mm-hmm. I'd love to hear a little bit about like what was that what was the process and how you know, like the place from which that decision came and what came after. Yeah. I, I want to give credit to Dr. Alexandra Sachs for this term matrescence, which um, if you don't know, it's it's a term that really sees the evolution of becoming mother being a many years long process, mm-hmm. um, much like adolescence is moving from mm-hmm. child to teen, right? It's mm-hmm. It's several years. And so we have an understanding of our children moving from child into like young adult. Mm. Why don't we have that understanding of ourselves? Because to be a human on earth is to shift identities and our bodies grow. We have, we have things happen to us. We birth things, we lose people, we get sick, we change careers. Like we are constantly going through radical life transformations and um, for some of us, it's in a quick instant, but for most of us, mm. it's a gradual thing. And motherhood is one of those things where, I mean, I don't know how your first 24 hours were, but I was stunned. Mm. I was literally stunned. And it took me a long time to even process the birth. Mm. Like, I remember I needed to talk about it over and over with my Tim. Like, wait, then what happened? And then what did you see me do? Can you tell me what you saw? And at one point he was like, why do you want to hear this? And I was like, I, I, it's primal. It's an, it's mm. an animal urge in me yeah. for me to understand what I just did mm. so that I can like process this like baby in my arms is my baby that was in my body. Mm. And now it's here. And I gave birth like that. And now, you know, and so this is why I think a lot of us are just insatiable for birth stories. So true. Just oh, devour them. <laughs> yeah. It's so true. Because it all it, helps you to process of remember this, remember that. What was that? What was that moment? And often often because there's no words for any of it. And so it's just the hearing and the seeing. Um, and we process in that. So yes. And that can be applied to many things, like processing a death, processing mm. a sickness, processing an accident. Um so yeah, I I really, I remember I interviewed on my podcast, I have a podcast called Belonging. I interviewed a woman named Jessie Harold, who is incredible and supports women in matrescence. And mm. I I went back to podcasting like five months postpartum, which 
oh. was not a good idea for me, but I had to go back to work because I had a book coming up, um, which I think was part of like the trauma of my postpartum was going back to work sooner than I was ready. Yeah. Uh, but I had no choice, which is often true of mothers in this culture, yeah. right? Yeah. Having to get back to it to make money. Especially, um, I mean, you're like, what is your leave after having a baby? It's like really short in the US. It's, not it's like three, three months. months. But I worked yeah. for myself, so I but, didn't yeah. have leave. <laughs> I had to create it. At all. Oh, yikes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. My partner took a month mm-hmm. and then he had to go back and I went back at, yeah, at a month. Mm-hmm. I mean, just lightly, but yeah. yeah. And I really had to just like pump myself up and say, I'll be fine. I'm going to be fine. People are like, are you worried? I'm like, no, 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 no. Because I had no choice. Exactly. You can't um, entertain it. Right. Right. Which yeah. is just such a thing. So Oh, I lost my train of thought. Where was oh, sorry. I? <laughs> it's okay. This is also motherhood. <laughs> we, you were saying I mean, no apologies for losing my train of thought. You were saying how your book was coming out, and so you had to go back much sooner than you were ready. I did, yeah. And I was interviewing Jesse Harold. That's what it was. I was yeah. interviewing Jesse Harold for my podcast, and I said to her, "How much longer is this going to be?" And she looked at me and she said, "Matrescence is at a minimum two years." <laughs> It's on, it's like recorded in, like, like it's published to the, you hear, you hear nothing um, on my end. She says two years and I go, my eyes are widening. You can't see me. And like, oh, I just go, oh, you're crap. Kidding. Like, no, because of course that first year or two, you know, like yeah. the days are long, the years are short. Like I was really in the, like, mm-hmm. I was really in a suffering story. I wonder if I have another, how I could change that, but I was in a real experience of like, I am changing. I could feel just like my cells rearranging. I could feel the earth shaking beneath me. I just felt such a quaking in my identity. And all I could say is like, something's changing, something's changing. And either people would get it or they'd be like, are you okay? And I'd be like, no, (laughs) yes. I don't know the answer. No. Yeah. What are the words for this? Yeah, there's a real, yeah. so, so yeah, I, I luckily found a, um, a mother's group that met on zoom and then we started meeting in a park six feet apart. And then finally wow. we held each other's babies at maybe a year in. Oh my gosh. Oh, we were, we were, yeah, we were terrified and mm. of this virus. It was just mm. a, a wild time. Yeah. Terrified of our babies getting it, you know? Um, and now, but they got me through it, you know, community. They really got yeah. me to cry together, six feet apart on our blankets, crying. And, <laughs> and, um, it was, it was really what got me through and talking about it so openly. Mm-hmm. I was really, I have a different relationship to Instagram now, but then it was, it was my lifeline. It was my therapy to, talk about it and then get so many, you know, middle of the night nursing sessions, get so many responses, messages from mm. strangers who became kin, who were just like, mm. the best messages weren't st- like, stay steady. It it's all goes by so fast. I didn't really like those messages. Yeah. It's not what you want to hear. They were the messages <clears throat> that were like, um, I understand. I see you. Mm. Yes. Yes. It's so hard. Mm. I'm up to like, Ugh. have you tried this burping method? You know, all these different <laughs> things that um, 
I'll always treasure like in a way that was a really hard first year, but I will always treasure it for what mm. it gave me and who and how it helped shaped me. Ugh. You know, we're talking about how there's so little language for matrescence already. And then for this experience to happen in COVID just feels like there's a whole other layer of that, a whole other layer of separateness, a whole other layer of um, not having your needs met or seen. or And so, yeah, I totally see how strangers on the internet, they, I don't know, they touch a space also that, because there's a different type of intimacy um, and different type of eyes on, um, and what a lifeline, like imagine if it hadn't been, you yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah. In rites of passage theory or this idea of like when you're in the messy middle, like the liminal mm -hmm. space, you can't yeah. go back to who you were, but you're yeah. not yet on the other side of who you're going to be. And that's mm. that's really like the most unsupported space in our culture. And that's mm. the moment you're like, I'm changing. I don't know. There's a real craving to be seen in mm. it because I think it helps make it real, right? Like me asking yeah my partner, like, tell me what you saw when I was giving birth. It's like, I wanted to be seen. Some people mm. don't. I really wanted to, maybe that's just like my extrovert nature, but mm. I really wanted to be seen to make sense of it. And so because I didn't have people coming to my house, I had people on the internet watching mm. me and it was, um, I, I, I don't want that now. It's so interesting how that's yeah, changed, but yeah. in that time, I needed people to say, I see you. Mm. It's so interesting. So I didn't have, I didn't have that sense. I, f I had the hiding sense. Yes. <laughs> like I don't, I, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't want you to witness me in this, in that liminal space of like, uh, and because of my own history, I feel like I do that stuff in hiding. And then when I'm ready and feel like I have enough skin between me and you, then I enter back in. But also I remember needing my parents to come and just to say, like they were saying, is it too soon? I, I don't, I don't care. I don't, I don't care what you do when you're here. <laughs> I just need you to come. Yeah. And something about also that being seen of like, I just need you near. Like, I don't even know what I'm asking for, but just come, <laughs> you know? It's, well, uh, I have a theory about that. Mm -hmm. That. So when our babies are born, we are born as mothers. So an mm. aspect of us is baby. Mm. And so the having someone to parent us as we become parent, mm. I remember just like sobbing saying, mom, will you please come over? I need my mommy. I need my mom so yeah. that I can be your baby. Like, mm. like there's, there's a right orderliness to it of like, yep if I'm going to be caring 24 seven for this tiny child, then I need someone to be my elder, like my, mm. in, um, in this, um, in this modality that I practice called, um, co family constellation, it's called the big uh, yeah. and the small. Yeah. I needed yeah. it a big. And I remember mm. my mom, I had to be really specific. My needs are that you are just my mom. Mm. You can have grandmother time, but I need my mom. Yes, yeah, so good that it. you could do that. Yeah. And so good you could say it because I don't think a lot of people, I couldn't say that then. I didn't know what I was asking for. Just right. come. Yeah, just get here. <laughs> just just hurry up. Okay, so what happened next? I started incorporating little rituals. I It was very, I mean, I 
pre-baby, I had this whole like spiritual practice and gathered regularly with a circle of women. I was like one of those. (laughs) And then combination of motherhood, um, like severing of the old identity, entering into Mm -hmm. a new identity, plus like COVID lockdown, I I realized like, oh, I need to reapproach my life uh, with a way that brings meaning into what, like, how am I going to move through matrescence with bringing meaning to every moment? Um, And the answer that my former self still passed, you know, through the ethers was ritual. And so Mm -hmm. I remember it started with the ritual of brushing my hair because a lot of my hair came out. That's like a thing, right? Mm -hmm. Hair falls out and new hair grows. Yeah. Literal new life. (laughs) little baby baby mother baby tufts yeah oh I know it's so attractive gosh mine looked real funny yeah Um, mine was bad (laughs) yeah so I had this realization in brushing my hair um that the hair that was coming out in my hairbrush contained like the cellular DNA of my former self of Mm. my like childless self you know who is also grieving I was really grieving the loss of free time, the loss of sleep, you know, there's a lot of grief that happens Mm. in this realization when you have that sort of like round the clock early days where you're just like, wait, is this my life? Mm. And there's no Uh, going back. It's not like, I just want to have one more day. (laughs) It's right. And the gun. Yeah. The totality of it is really intense. Really intense. So I have, I have friends who walked the motherhood path before me say like really take space to grieve that. Like it's important. And so I would take the hair that was in my hairbrush and I would um, bury it in my garden. Mm. And that was based off a woman in my women's circle who I said, I keep brushing this, my hair and, Mm. and this hair, I can tell like holds the memory of like my former life. I want to do something with it. What should I do with it? And she said, why don't you introduce it to like the mycelium of the land you live on? Like give it, like give it new life to the earth you live on. And I, at first I was like, wait, what? And then I was like, beautiful, because I had, I had the garden as like a a companion during Mm -hmm. lockdown. Right. I had, had, you know, this, these planting areas that felt like important allies so I would every few days just walk out dig a hole bury my hair in there cover it up and say there you go and um something about that just felt like a little something I could do right because yeah. you and I were talking about being doers. doers yeah and there's a lot of processing and crying but like I needed something to do and I didn't have much time, you know, this was like mere minutes where like Tim would hold the baby or I'd take her with me and I'd go outside and I'd do it. So it was, um, and then I'd get it and then I'd find another ritual. Like I remember I had an acupuncturist who I wrote her, she said, how are you doing? And I said, I'm so tired. And I don't think I, I think I might die like this exhaustion. I, I don't know how other mothers do it. There's the shame. Mm. I don't know how those mothers do it, but I can't figure it out. Yeah, I am so tired. 
she's just crying all night. Like I am so tired. Like coffee's not working and her, her diapers smell like coffee and I feel guilty, you know, like what am I going to do? Yeah. And she said, you know, there are other sources of energy besides caffeine, like ask, ask of like the energy of like your ancestors, ask for the energy of the earth. That's still like gives life to the trees in a drought, which we Mm. were in, like ask. And I remember, so I had my like sacred morning shower time, which Mm. any new mother will know is a very important time. (laughs) And I would go into the shower and I would always like massage my aching breasts, you know, to try to prevent clogs. Yeah. You know, they'd just be like rocks. I'd just like massage them. I saw squirting out milk. (laughs) Yeah. Spray in the walls. Not in a good way. And and I would, I realized the water felt like the place I could ask for support. So as the water was coming over my head and my body, I would ask the waters of this planet, you know, that circulate Mm -hmm. all the different waters of our bodies, of the rain, of the ocean, of the lakes, you know, and because I was so tired, I, I, you know, I didn't have time to be cynical. I could just be in it. You know, it was just like desperation. It was like prayer on my knees, just like, please give me enough energy to meet today. Yeah. And that was something I could do. I could Mm. ask the shower water to give me energy. And um, I believe it worked. I believe it worked. Amazing. Though I would just ritual my way through it and write. I would write Mm. in these little moments. I would just write about what I was feeling. And um, it just feels really wild to be here with you two and a half years later. Be like, what? Mm. And 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 feeling myself still learning how to be a mother and who I am. Like I'm very much still in matrescence, but I also feel my feet on the ground again mm. and, and my words come more easily and my grief is less intense and I feel such kinship to new mothers oh my gosh when a new mother happens in my community I'm just mm. like I'm coming over I got the food <laughs> I got I'll clean your toilet I'll, I'll do whatever you want I'm gonna bring oh. you my favorite lactation cookies I'm gonna hold your hand as you cry I'm going to listen to your birth story. I just feel so best. I feel a part of something really deep. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And to offer that to somebody is just such a gift, I think. And often a gift that, again, we don't always have language for and that people are desperate for. Like you're talking about that desperation of, I, I can't, I don't have resource for this. I don't know where this is supposed to come from. And having that sense of, it doesn't always have to come from inside of us. It's such a lovely message. It's like we're connected to each other and you can't do all of this on your own. It's not possible. Um, But what do you do? I'm curious. I guess I'm struggling with this right now. Mm -hmm. The friends or colleagues who have babies and you can see them struggling in isolation and you reach out and they say no. What do you do? Because that feels like they're not consenting, right? So I can't force my way in. Yeah, so interesting. So I was that person. So I would, I, so I had Harrison and we'd planned to have like a, 
hypnobirth and all yeah. this. Yeah. Ugh. And <laughs> I ended up having him. I we went in for a scan because South Africa have lots of scans. And she said, This baby's coming out today. She said, You have no fluid in your like uterus. She's like, yeah. Did you have a big gush? It was like, and it birth is very medical there. And so I was like really reluctant. I felt like I couldn't trust her and oh it was horrible. So I had oh. to have the C section on that day. So like totally not the plan, totally not the plan. Um, Tim had come just from work, like for a scan. We came home just like, shit, we haven't, like I hadn't even packed a bag. I was like that confident and like, it's going to just take its time. It's a first pregnancy. And so I'd started like that. And I think that then it's like spiked a depression for me that I just was so overwhelmed and kind of traumatized mm. by the thing and I totally hid away and people did try to come and they would leave food at the gate because I used to just close the gate like you can't get to the door you can't knock on the door it was it felt like too overwhelming to me that I felt like I cannot um yeah. I, I do not know how to meet you or like how to be um, and I'm yeah. using all of my energy just to be this. So people would drop food and I would be so grateful. Um, and a friend of mine did once barge her way in and said, what is happening? <laughs> why are you, why, like, where are you? Where have you disappeared to? How did you feel about that friend barging in? Uh, that's what I'm saying. I, it felt, I didn't, it didn't feel nice, but it was such a relief that someone was there. So I would yeah. say... I would like err on the side of fumbling. Hey, I don't know. Like for me, I was grateful for the, for the insistence. Um, and she wasn't interested in how I felt about it. Either. She was quite like, Judy, I'm here. <laughs> what do you, she brought food. She said, I'm oh. not leaving for at least half an hour. She was so oh. wonderful. <laughs> and she knew, she knew we had like really similar. And she said, remember because we actually studied together and that was also such a bad idea to study psychology just before having a baby and yeah it was really (laughs) not a good idea and um she had said I was worrying about this worrying about that and she said remember it's just good enough it's just Mm -hmm. good enough it's just the 30 percent you have to get right yeah um and I could see in her eyes she was a bit like oh no this is not good so my point is I think you can be present for people and annoy them. I think it's okay to annoy people <laughs> and say, I'm here anyway. <laughs> or just okay. to say, I see you struggling. Yeah. You had to name the thing. Yeah. yeah. What do you need? I'm going to keep coming. <laughs> yeah. So tell me. <laughs> yeah. 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 Wow. What was it like for your relationship having a kid? Brutal. Mm. Um, I, I was interviewed on another podcast that we called the baby bomb because I said, (laughs) it's like throwing a bomb in your marriage. I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that Tim and I were together for 15 years before Mm. having a child. Um, so really established like, yeah, yeah, patterns and okay. It really uh, just like disoriented us around, um, everything. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of things that occurred. Um, mostly not mostly one of the things was, um, 
apparently this is quite common in male partners is he kind of turned off uh and he's he can now explain it i also interviewed him on my podcast asking him about it he explained it as he because my child was breastfeeding and i was like sometimes co-sleeping and mm. and i was also very very um like I, I wanted her on me. I had a lot of anxiety. Mm. Like I, I just felt a, a deep attachment. Yeah. And, um, he felt like, what, what is my role here? Mm. It's really common. Yeah. It's really common. Mm. Um, even during the birth, he was like, I could just not be here. And I'm oh. like, are you kidding me? I needed you to put that fan on my face in the shower. <laughs> but I was kind of like, you know, a woman in labor. I was like, get over here. No, I have to throw up. No. <laughs> we have a video of him and so me funny. tussling during my labor. Because it's so primal. It is. And I think I love that. I, also, another thing is um he felt so in awe of me watching me give birth, um, like 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 sexually turned on. He said it felt very primal to see like me give birth to his child and he really wanted to be close to me and mm. intimate. And I, I, I felt threatened by that. I felt threatened yeah. by him yeah. and that was really hurtful to him. So he yeah. felt basically rejected by the whole postpartum experience. <sighs> yeah, And that so common. is common. Yeah. And I remember both of us thinking like something's wrong with us. Why aren't we just like a sweet, happy team? And I'm just so glad to have friends and people on podcasts talking about how that's actually like quite common. Mm. He also had to go back to work at a month and he um, was struggling with insomnia. So, because we were all so underslept and he had to work and he has quite a demanding job. And so I would have him sleep in another room, but he wouldn't sleep because he'd feel so like you know he has his own attachment like is she crying uh. and he also he just couldn't sleep so he became so exhausted that he was truly not useful mm. and I became really resentful yeah oh and you, you layer storm. yeah and then you layer on like COVID isolation it was it was really really it was really vicious I'd say like we were quite mm. At the end of the day, we were so tired and it was like, well, let's fight. Yeah. And really what I can see now the fighting was about was we had pent up energy and grief mm. and, and the, we were the only other people in the room. And so it would just be like projection so that we could release it. And then we'd pass out, you know, and then she'd be yeah. up on it. So it's proof to me of the necessity for the village because I'll never forget we got into couples counseling real fast and, you know, we just knew to, to take care of this. Yeah. And, um, because we had 15 years of being a team and we were like, I mm. miss you. I miss that. And I remember our wise therapist, George said, um, well, Becca, you, aren't you into revillaging? Aren't you always talking about like, it takes a village. I said, well, yes, George. Yes. <laughs> There's no village around here. There's no village. Yeah. There's no village. So I'm mad. And he said, well, do you think maybe you are having expectations of Tim that would be the role of like 20 other adults in a village society? And my brain exploded. I was like, <laughs> I have been so busy being so mad 
at my partner mm. without realizing that how deeply unfair. Yeah. Like it's miss, it's misappropriated oh. anger. My anger yeah. is at the system. Yeah. And but it's deeply unfair for both of you, for all of you. Oh yeah. I <sighs> could finally, I mean, I was mad for a solid year and a half. Like I'd even mm. like I'd have like my therapist be like, but compassion for Tim. And I'd hear, I'd hear him and I'd be like, yeah, yeah, but I'm still, the anger and rage was so, Mm. I was like a volcano. I was, I was tearing through the earth all around me. Like I have never felt such rage in my life and postpartum depression can often manifest as rage. Yeah. Yeah. Something I didn't know. Mm-hmm. And I read this book called Body Full of Stars by Molly Caro May. Oh, okay. Highly recommend this book if you are having any sort of rage experience where she talked about it. I would read it every night in the middle of the night on my Kindle nursing mm-hmm. atlas. And I would just sob. I mean, I could just, it's, I'm feeling pretty emotional about it now. Like that rage was so intense. Mm-hmm. And I felt like, it felt so good to know that I wasn't alone. And it also felt like there is a sea of us over centuries, over millennia of women, you know, of mothers who have had this like bubbling volcano in our bodies. Mm -hmm. And it just felt so overwhelming. And I was like, I really thought like, oh, I could destroy this marriage right now. Like I felt so powerful Mm -hmm. in my rage. I felt like I, I will take this down. I felt powerful and terrifying. Yeah. And um, when it was finally named in a counseling session, I said it, I think, I think I've got something going on here. I saw Tim's shoulders drop like a foot. And then that brought the compassion just flooded into my body. Mm-hmm. And I saw his relief at me naming like the monster within, which is how I would say it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that took me on a journey to um, get support and talk about it as I do. And it was really transformative for me. Yeah. And so lucky you went, like when you did, hey, like that you did the couple's thing straight away. And because I think so many people don't. So many people don't. I I mean, like I read a statistic of, I'm going to botch the numbers. I read a Mm -hmm. statistic that shocked me that like, a good percentage of divorces, at least in the, in the United States, happen within the first two years of a child being born. Oh, wow. That makes and so I'm much like, sense. Yeah. 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 Of course it does. <laughs> so I remember Tim would say, we just have to stick it out. We just have to stick it out. <laughs> we just have to make it to two years. He's like, come on. We just got to get through all this. And I'm like, <laughs> Don't blow it up. Oh man, there is because I think there's also something so powerful about that matrescence period of like, I I don't know if this happened for you, but I had the sense of I did not know what our bodies were capable like are capable of. Like you don't you know in some sort of academic way, but you don't know what can happen. And something about the actual, like you say, like a baby growing inside your body, coming out of your body, keeping it alive. It's just it's just mind blowing, like the whole yeah. thing and something about that is enlivening. And if there's no way for that to go, I guess like, yeah, that's where rage comes in. It's just this like fire that moves through and has no way to be. Um, yes. Yeah. yeah. Life force creation. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really seeing now how powerful I realized I was 
Mm, and it's terrifying. Um, like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. And it just, you know, the only person in the room was my partner. So it just went sideways and upside down and blew up. And I'm really proud of us for mm. finding our way through that. Yeah. And in such a short time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I think something about your, like, you know, you're talking about the fighting in the evening. I think there's something like such a hopeful edge around that. Cause I think a lot of times what happens is there's just like a collapse yeah. and that people go quiet and go in and then they're just having their own separate experiences. And so something about that rage was also really life-giving of mm. like, I'm not going to stop. I'm going to say the things like there's something really good about that and really generative. Um, yeah. A reaching towards each other. Yeah. Rather than yeah. just like slumping away. Um, yeah. So I kind of love that too. I don't know. Oof. It's so hectic. This whole. Um, it's a big deal and it's happening. Julia, it's happening every day. This is the other thing. This <laughs> is the other thing. So that mind blowing. <laughs> to think, I remember like, an hour after I gave birth to Atlas, I looked at my midwife and I said, this happens every minute on earth. And she said, every second, honey. And I just thought, like, think about that. Like, oh my gosh, like women doing this with their bodies in all sorts of places. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it goes one way and sometimes it goes another, but women are doing this. Mm-hmm. And like, why are not all human beings on their knees in front of mothers? Like what? Yeah. I think that's what really got me as well of like the invisibility of all of the stuff that happens. And, and also there was a shame piece around like, this is happening all the time. How can I not do this? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, How come I'm struggling and yet this is what's kept humanity going. Yeah, like how how have these people been? T- well, clearly, they- I didn't get that gene. I'm out. <laughs> Where are the signs for this? Yeah, oh, I know. No. It's I, it's I, intense. I'd worked in um. So after our training, we have to do it's called community service. We have to work in state, and um, I mine was in Cape Town and in Kailicha, so like outside of Cape Town. And I've been to Kailicha. Have you? How crazy. With university. How crazy. Yeah. So there was a new um hospital built there. And part of my job was just to build a psychology department as like a new graduate. It was like crazy. But um I worked in the maternal, like mental health section and Oof. lots of um, yeah, like witnessed lots of births and deaths and and something about that also just on the cusp of me having my own baby. Oh. It's just like, oh, like something about the power of what women are able to do and and then just get up and go. And something about like, how how am I not doing this? Do you know what I mean? And all of the contrast between like the privilege and the like deprivation and poverty and uh, it was yes. too much. Yes. It was too much. Yeah. I deeply relate. I I I remember just laying awake nights thinking about all the mothers, all the single mothers, yeah, all the mothers on, you know, in 
just like desperate circumstances. All the mothers who have to get up and work in the fields, their babies on their back, all the mothers who give birth in prison. You know, I just thought I just, Mm. it, it just, I couldn't not think Mm. about all the mothers Mm. and yes, the shame for me, not figuring it out in my like cushy (laughs) organic (laughs) situation, you know, that's, that's brutal. (sighs) Yeah. And no matter how much I feel like we devour, because I think there's obviously there's so much more like spoken about than it was even like five, 10 years ago. (laughs) And still it's like that devouring feeling where, like you say in the beginning, how you just wanted to like, just talk about it, just keep talking about it. What happened then? And I think there's that same feeling of like needing to devour that we we have those visuals if we grow up in like wider communities or not just, um, you know, these tiny families locked away, um, that we would have like visuals and stories and like different understanding of not just our own experience, but remember when so-and-so had a baby and everyone took her food and Mm. she was quiet for a year or she cried a lot or she needed lots of extra support. And like just that, I think that like the gap of that, of not being able to see or hear how normal that is, um, that also makes it so terrifying. Because then we go, this is maybe pathological Mm-hmm. and just you know like the storm of that yeah um so yeah these stories are so important yeah and I think yeah how do what what is the modern day like fire we tell the stories around and I think it might be podcasts yeah and social media and also our communities you know but that's mm-hmm. always something I'm thinking about is like taking our innate ways and bringing them back in the in the in the modern age in the ways that we can and that's why I'm so grateful to podcasts because I know particularly mothers can access that you know more easily yeah yikes (laughs) and how is your tiny human now her name is Atlas right yeah how is she she's a wonder she's a magnificent (laughs) being I really really like She's almost three. I really like the uh-huh. talking and the uh-huh. little voice. <laughs> and I love the talking and the little voice, the cute little oh voice. Oh <laughs> my gosh. I love her thoughts. I love her stories. This morning we were playing with these like little bear toys she has. And she was like, it's jumping on mama's head. And I was like, oh, we're into pretend play now. I've been waiting for this one. So fun. <laughs> I really, I really do enjoy motherhood. And, um, yeah, it's like, yeah, there are really, really hard days, but I really, really enjoy stewarding a life for this human being. It's very, mm-hmm. <clears throat> this past weekend, it was, um, um, like a bank holiday here in the, in the States. So we went away to the, to a beach house mm-hmm. and, um, with some friends and one day we took a nap together all in the same bed, Tim, me and Atlas. Oh my gosh. And a new type of bliss. I woke up and I literally thought to myself, there is nothing better on earth than this. <laughs> As someone who's tried to chase all the things, all the things, success, climb the ladder. No, no, I had, I really truly felt like there is nothing better than this moment of being snuggled up in bed asleep with my family 
family naps and yeah. peace, the tiny moments of calm. Yeah. So that's what, what do you tell her about next steps? Um, are you talking about the farm and what's, what it's going to be like? Yes. She's visited. She loves the donkey. Um, we show her videos and yeah, I don't think, I'm not sure she understands that we're moving, but she knows mm. about it. And we have, we got all these books about the farm. So she oh, learns about cool. being a farmer, but no, it'll be a pretty big, I am preparing to really hold her in the transition, mm. a new bed or like a new uh, room. Yeah. And, um, and not seeing her little buddies and saying mm. goodbye to our babysitter and just like a big change and knowing that she can have her experience of it and her emotions about it but also yeah. really trying to hold her through it mm. and I, I love that also you so focused on ritual because there's something so holding about that and so containing about ritual in those ways of like these things happen here and also they still happen there and we can't yeah. by them yeah even in a new yeah. place yeah, yeah. Uh, and I'm really thinking about how do we complete because we just live in a culture that really resists endings mm, and completions and how do we complete in the best way we can without yeah. thinking it, Yeah, you know, with, with certain relationships with, uh, with this house that she was born in, you know, and, Oof, and then, yeah. and then really just be like, here we go. Mm. Eyes open looking East. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true about the endings. We we left um, Cape Town actually when Harrison was a, a really similar age, so just after like two and a half. Oh. And we um, had lots of parties <laughs> of yes. like lots of kind of gatherings and meals. And, um, and I think after a while he started to think like, if you go out for dinner, it's to say goodbye. <laughs> yeah. Got here. He said, Oh, we're going to say goodbye. And I said, No, we're just going to say hi. We're going to say hello. <laughs> it's not it's like poor kid. <laughs> Is it oh, he's like, I'm just bye? trying to put them together. I'm just following your lead. Oh no. But yeah, we did um we had like a final meal in the house. It wasn't like the final meal, but we said it's like this final meal and we lit candles and said goodbye to the house and the room and and I didn't know what went in, but I thought like if it goes in, it's fine. Otherwise it's just like an ending, you know, and continue on. Yeah. Oh, thank you, Becca. It was so lovely to chat to you um and to mm. hear your beautiful story and your yeah. I loved hearing about the fire. I don't know. I think that's something that will really stay with me because it feels like, I know it wasn't an easy time, but it also feels like a real life force thing that happened and that you were able to contain that is really um, kind of, yeah, an amazing thing to see. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate your reflections around that. And I love how you talked about that and the ways we Tim and I would fight at night as being life-giving. I appreciate the reframe because I think I'm still <laughs> holding a little bit of shame by like, whoa, that was an ugly time. And oh I, no. That's I'm good. willing to look at it a different way. Yeah. When the fighting stops, that's the bad thing. Yeah. So yeah. it's good. Well, thank you so much for your time. Could you tell us where people can find you? Yeah, I'm at beccapiastrelli.com. If you just try to type that out in some way the internet finds its way to me usually 
Um, and then I have a podcast too called Belonging. And I wrote a book. It was just holding up the book <laughs> called Root and Ritual, Timeless Ways to Connect to Land, Lineage, Community, and the Self, where I talk about this living in the age of loneliness, which is this, this is known as or the Aromacene, um, and like practical rituals, recipes, activities, things you can do to cultivate a deeper sense of connection to each other, to yourself, to the land, to who and what you come from. Um, and then, yeah, I have a newsletter called Slow and Seasonal. So I send it out slow and seasonally. And you can go to beccapiastrelli.com slash subscribe if you're curious to hear more. Perfect. Thank you so, so much, Becca. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. If you'd love to connect with Becca, you can find her on Instagram at beccapiastrelli. All of her links to her website and her book, Root and Ritual, can also be found in the show notes. I also wanted to remind you that today is the very last day that you can sign up for my 90-minute intensives. This is a really, really great way to dive into coaching in a short-term way, to see if it's a good fit for you, to see if this is something you would like to pursue on a longer-term basis. We will spend 90 minutes together mapping out how you are connected to your partner in your relationship at the moment. Are you connecting or not connecting? And then we will come up with a really practical plan to reconnect to each other or to foster the connection that's already happening well. You can do this alone or as a couple. And I would love to support you in this way. Links are also in the show notes. All right, lovely one. See you next week. Bye.